<laughs> okay, so we'll come back to um, our third podcast in this, what we're going to set as a series. So today's podcast specifically, we're going to be asking um, around what's life like at the moment as we're coming out of lockdown. We're not out of lockdown completely, but there mm. is just start about to happen. So who wants to start off on that question? <laughs> I was just wondering uh, um, if we look different than we did at the beginning. <laughs> Possibly, uh, you know, we're, maybe we're more familiar with being on Zoom for one thing. Um, maybe our, uh, you've, you have a, like a successful glow around you, Joel, that I think is a function of... Uh, <laughs> that your viva went all right that's the culmination of several years of effort i imagine um and uh i feel i feel um i think more relaxed now that we're coming out and um i think there's it feels like life is a bit more normal there's been a little bit more socializing with friends um Tonight, I'm in a choir, and the choir's been doing Zoom, and I don't know if you've done that, but it's horrendous because you're, you can't coordinate the time. And so the choir leader is conducting like this, and um, everyone's really in a different space. And I wonder if that's a bit of a metaphor for how things go, that you know, we're, mm. we're here in real time, but actually <coughs> we're all sitting in different environments, and maybe we're not as fully coordinated with one another as we would wish and that we have to make a great effort to try and sort of uh, get on the same page, I suppose. Um, but tonight is the end of term and we're going to meet in a park and we'll be in a little circle, socially distant circle of six people. I think there'll be five circles of six people. And our choir leader is going to try and give us the experience <laughs> of actually singing together for the first time <laughs> since <laughs> lockdown began. So, um, uh, the people I've spoken to are really looking forward to that. It's it's a hunger and a yearning to get back to something that's not not crazily, you know, in a in a sensibly socially distanced way, but um, to get beyond this sort of strangely um, uh, mediated forum that we're in right now. Yeah. Yes. Well, I actually went to the hairdressers. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> So you're looking very smart, and I, I hope you don't look back at the second and first one and go, oh, how did I leave it so Zoom horror. <laughs> and um, my opening words were, oh, why are you going to throw a bucket of water over me? She had this shield, and she said, no, Susan, I'm not. I said, are you going to talk to me? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and it managed quite well, but what, why I'm telling you this is... She absolutely surprised me. I said, oh, I bet you're really looking forward to, you know, getting back, create, being creative, seeing all your clients and getting back to a near normal. And she said, no, I'm not. I loved it at home. I didn't want to mm. come back from work. Mm. So in that vein, I was really shocked. Um, but I think talking to people, it's been a real time for reflection. Mm. As, I, as I was um, talking to Tony about. Um, and I think that's what's surprising. People have learned things that probably about themselves they didn't know. They've discovered strengths they probably didn't know about. Mm. Um, so perhaps in a way it's been a good thing. It's not been all bad. Um, 
have I think we're going to be more critical as we go forward, critical thinking. We're not going to be perhaps influenced so much with what we read. Perhaps it's a, a new dawning. How about that? Um, inspirational in a way. Um, that's my thoughts. I'm feeling quite nice and calm and I'm not rushing back to do anything. I play tennis. Um, that's a bit weird because that's not really very social, but everybody's got used to it. And this mm. is the thing, we're much more resourceful <clears throat> than we think we are. Mm. But um, people have got used to doing things online. Perhaps that's going to be the new normal. Mm. Mm. So an integrated life, mm. Mm. I think. Mm. Mm. You, Andy? Um, absolutely agree with uh, Tony and Susan. I mean, I think um, it's still kind of weird, isn't it, what we're going through? But I, I think people have found that they can do this, mm. this virtual thing. Mm. Um, you know, and it works. Uh, it's not quite the same as you know, f you know, uh, you know, face-to-face -face contact or being in the same room with people. But in, in many ways, it's good enough. Um, and, and I think there's going to be a ripple effect of what this does to businesses and institutions and organisations in terms of mm. maybe we don't need all these big buildings that we're yeah. investing all this money in and, and maybe we need to work slightly differently for the future. Um, mm. And then, you know, you, you, I think we're still waiting to see the impact of, um, you know, the economic impact of what we've just been through. And I think that's starting to unfold now. Yeah, um, I think so. There's more more businesses having problems, more layoffs, mm. um, and that, and then the choices that are made around um, the furlough schemes and when not to furlough and how to employ. Uh, that, that, I think all those things will rumble on for 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 a good many months yet. I think. Um, so I, th I think we're, you know, we're, we're probably well, well, we're, we're starting, you know, to enter out of lockdown. But I think the consequences of the virus are going to be still long lasting. And I, and I think we're still mm. probably going to have to be curious about that. Mm. Um, and I think different experiences, different countries are doing different things. Um, yeah. A friend of mine who spent lockdown in a, a home country of Italy, um, you know, there was, a, there was a family thing that went on and she was over in Italy just before lockdown and spent the, the last, well, it must be five months there. And, and she was quite worried about coming back to the UK because, you know, li living in London, mm. uh, you know, it, will London be the same as it was before I left? Mm. Mm. You know, so I think you know, we're, there's all sorts of other questions and um, things that we don't know about yet. Um, but, uh, you know, still lots to learn. I think there's going to be some really powerful things that come out of all this and some really sad things as well. Um, but but eventually, I think we'll learn to adapt and, and move on, um, which I think is really cool in many ways because um, I think we've got an opportunity now to do things differently. Um, and and I and I do think that this whole um, experience we have has, has been a sort of face the truth moment. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not sure if we use that term before, but it's actually you know the, the, you know our reality is actually in front of us at the moment, isn't it? It's, mm -hmm. you know, this is what's happening. And perhaps we can make different choices. Mm. So I'm quite upbeat, actually, although I, there's um, 
a lot of people who who may well be struggling still, mm. and you know may, may struggle in the future. And I, and I think we need to support people as well through this whole experience. Mm. Mm. How are we? How can we support them, Andrew? <clears throat> you think? What I is think talking always helps. <laughs> yes. You no, know, and and I, and I think you know as as a profession, you know, in the. Uh, or as coach psychologist, shall we say, I, I think the, it, it does come back to there's something there that we can do to help others. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's not just in a professional relationship. It's, it's how we live our lives and Im, impact those around us, you know, because we, we know coaching has quite a large ripple effect on the well-being of others. Yeah. Mm. So just trying to build those skills more into my day-to-day activities or that, or that mindset, I guess, more than skills, yeah. um, I, th- I think could be really powerful. Mm. In terms of, um, I think we said the really important thing about adapting. Um, you know, the reason why basically did uh, was interested in, in understanding and talking about this stuff was like this is what we call like you know real time thoughts. So exactly yeah. what we're saying is in real time. This is not like you know in six years in advance um, we look back on it. This is actually when people hear back at this time when they're listening in. Um, we're recording data for the future in that sense yeah. mm-hmm. and I think for me personally I suppose I do feel different I suppose that's the question about being different now I don't mm. know if that's to do with the um, uh, COVID lockdown and the impact in the last four months or mm. this the actual PhD mm. <laughs> um, mm. it's hard to it's hard or to both. <laughs> yeah that's a combination <laughs> yeah and and I think you know um I remember like it was, it was first it was quite antagonizing in terms of like I don't have access to uh, the materials like I think space so you know um, you know this was a 40 for example th- I think 40 50 million pound building the library right suddenly it's gone immediately and this is a space that you you're using to prepare it's like if you're kind of going for the Olympic Games isn't it you're using your training facilities yeah. to make that final mm. you know race whatever and so to be to so I think it allowed my mind to become a lot more um, sharper. So maybe it's to do with you know evolution theory in terms of like you know the way it re-triggers its wire in that sense to become more resilient. And and then the other um, step is is about I think when you're coming out of a lockdown, yeah, I, there's certain things I don't really want to change. I don't really want to. I'm not in a rush to go back like Sue and Tony were saying and yourself, Andy. You know, I don't want to go back to how it was um, yeah. because actually quite value what's happened my time my energy my space in that sense mm. so it's it's almost like um, at first i remember the conversation was around oh, do we really have to do this you know um, and mm-hmm. how long it's going to long for there's a lot of anxiety and then it just became about bit you know i think with behavior change well actually i'm i'm, I'm comfortable now so mm. and i've i basically value my time in a way i didn't before and my space, in that sense. Yeah. And I think um, maybe online-wise, or virtual, in this way, my relationships with people have actually got stronger. Like the bond mm. is more stronger because more focused. Mm-hmm. Um, where before I was saying hello and hi and just having your 10 minutes. But now there's a bit more focusedness. Maybe it is the ears. You've got the earphones in. You've got the mm. visual thing going on. So it's a lot more quality I just, I just found. So that's, that's my perspective. Yeah. Mm. 
Mm. I, I think that's right, actually. I think there's, there's a different form of relationship that's happening. Um, and, and I think that's often because we're not, we're not rushing off other places, you know, so we're giving time to each other. Mm. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, and that is so important. That's such a learning, isn't it? Just make time to have a conversation and to be, you know, to pay attention to what somebody's telling you as well. Um, it's quality you know. time, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I presume it's also energy level, isn't it? Like, because you're not moving about with, to go to your next uh, meeting or to your next appointment. You're moving very little, so you're saving energy, isn't it? Mm. But do you think basically, this is my, I suppose my next question is, in terms of like, how do we now manage that? Um, coming out of lockdowns so what I mean is probably when you're when people are going to be meeting right I presume most people are going to do it online the meets and stuff meets and greets mm. but what about those people who want the face-to-face -face contact do you in terms of the social distancing do you put that in do you how much how much of that do you put in and would you put mm. it in or would you prefer would you would you guys prefer online mm. <laughs> Interesting question. Yeah. Yes, Susan. <laughs> well, I do know that one of my friends has started doing face to face, but they have to take quite a lot of precautions, obviously. And there has to be, they're in a space where they're not close together and windows, ventilation. There's lots of things to consider, but she has gone back to doing it because some people just, that's what they want. And mm. We have to cater for all needs, don't we? But responsibly. Mm. So she's taken that that to um, she's accepted that, and that is what she's going to do. Mm. Of the um, people I've been speaking to, many of them have been in the um, peer practice groups. In, in the last month, um, we've had seven kickoff meetings for new virtual peer practice groups. And of those meetings, I, I mean, there are probably, what, um, 35, 40 people in those meetings in total. So they're quite small groups. They're like fours and fives and sixes. Um, most people seem to be in a mode of acceptance and actually in some ways welcoming the virtual forum. Yeah. There's only one person I can think of who's going. Will we always be? <laughs> will we always be virtual? Um, because I want to be in a face-to-face -face group. How can we get in a face-to-face -face group? And she's looking at the others in the group and going, "Where are you? Where are you? And when yeah. can we get together?" And of course, they're not actually that close together, so it won't, <laughs> it won't happen very often that they come together. I think some kind of expect to um, possibly after a series of virtual meetings they might have a special occasion when they come together for some socially distanced meeting but from that group and I don't think it's a representative of the population at large it's probably more representative of coaching psychologists that they um, they actually seem to have some acceptance for some of them their market has got bigger because yeah. they mm. can reach geographically further they don't have to worry about travel yeah. And they can, you know, be, have a coaching relationship between London and Newcastle or something like that, yeah. and it's all very easy. Um, yeah. So, I think it, I think it's kind of mixed. But there, there's was it was it in the Hearts Beds meeting where we were talking about extroverts and introverts? Yeah. Um, but that, yeah. Um, you know, I I'd expect that we'd we'd have a real line that separates um, mm. face to face and uh, virtual in in that way with extroversion and introversion. 
I think it will be a blended model, won't it? It'll be, what, it'll be the, there'll be preferences that people have for face-to-face. -face. Um, but but for me, and I know some of my uh, people that I work with have been told that they're you know not going back to the office until the end of the year. Mm. So my daughter's working with um, in a design company, and um, the boss, the owner of the company, has said he wants everyone back in the office. That that was last Monday, and they've said to him. It's not necessary. You know, we're going to continue yeah. to work from yeah. home. And their managers are agreeing with them. They're not agreeing with the company owner who wants them in the office at his beck and call. No. Um, they feel like they've evolved a really effective way of working. Um, why, why change it? Yeah. yeah. And of course, they're young people who are kind of happy, happy with that mm -hmm. in a, uh, it's a more, more second nature to them mm -hmm. because uh, they're techie savvy kind of people. Mm. Just, just like us, Tony. All of us here, <laughs> except Joel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, like uh, around um, the virtual space, it's yeah. I mean, what we're doing, we're doing everything by uh, MS Teams or on the phone clinics. Um, but you know, um, speaking to some of the people working in the prison service, some of them are getting uh, I think video link calls <laughs> yeah. and obviously that's to be secure um, from other parts of the, um, the health service and I think uh, one thing that was interesting for me in terms of like the contact was around I've started to I did a I did a I was on, a, on another podcast talking about um, uh, funerals mm. and virtual assistance basically mm. and how um, that might be a bit different now because if you wanted to attend someone's funeral you could do, mm. but it's through a virtual assistant where you'll be, you know, allowed to, you know, say your condolences or whatever. They're designing yeah. a, a sort of mm. model. But I think, you know, the, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a gap in terms of there needs to be an ethical, uh, psychological framework that underpins the virtual assistant and how it works. Mm. Um, and I think the, that's what I mean about the virtual world in that sense. We're still, it's still new. And I think we're going to be adapting it, but I think there needs to be a lot of like um, human input. Um, yeah. And I think that's where coaching psychologists might come in um, because mm. they understand how, what it is, what people are trying to get to their goals or what they want to achieve. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to ask like, um, what, what, what's your views on that? Where do you think the role of basically um, coaching psychology or psychologist play in the role of, developing um the virtual world mm. i think there's a real opportunity for uh coaching psychologists to help shape it because uh, i think you know one of the things that i think coaching as a process does is create different ways of thinking about things um you know and, and i think inherently but you know that's the process we need to do is we you know we you know what's the phrase lean into this uncertainty you know, mm -hmm. we, we need to learn how to do things differently, but hold some real core principles, mm -hmm. you know, around, you know, ethical integrity, safety, you know, all sorts of different things. Um, and, and, I, and I think creating that sort of, um, uh, you know, it's, what's the, you know, time to think, isn't it, for people and time to reflect and time to learn. Mm. Uh, I think it's got such an important um, or, or could have such an important role to play. I think one of the challenges we have is that I think things will move so quickly now mm. um, because you know, 
people, you know, in, innovations happening around us at the moment, and, and people are coming up with ways to fix things and adapt. And so it's almost like we, we need to, you know, um, facilitate that process of you know, new and bright and wonderful ideas happening. And at the same time, uh, mm-hmm. try and make sure that they're safe. And, and, you know, for those who are more vulnerable in society or um, disadvantaged, it's really important that they get access to things in, in, the, in the right way. Um, so, so I think there's a huge opportunity for, for coaching, coaching psychologists to, yeah. to, to play. And, and I think the, the, it's kind of augmented technology. That's the phrase that I'm playing around with at the moment. Um, because it's, you know, it's, for me, artificial intelligence is great. You can get things to do stuff now really accurately, um, you know, assuming the, uh, the coding's correct. But how do we use this in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way? That's where the augmentation comes, I think. And, yeah. and, I, and I think that's, that's a real important place that we can um, support people. If we were to think of the example of um, the kind of medical example, the way you can do surgery at a distance, for, for example, to um, you know, heart surgery or brain surgery or whatever it is through a robot. But uh, the augmented part would be really being uh, patient-centered and understanding yeah. the, the needs that have to be addressed in the relationship between the surgeon or the consultant and the patient um, and um, making the coach can perhaps help bring a, give a language and um, a create a conversation in which those um, needs get um, identified and addressed. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, there's going to be uh, a need for coaches with regards careers because a lot of there will be a lot of redundancies are, as there are at the moment mm. uh, and so people will be looking for advice and the coach is best placed to do this to help the, the client go forward and to perhaps look at something they've not even looked at before not even thought of before mm. because there's as Andrew said there's this opportunity now mm. yeah I was gonna add sorry Andy yeah. Go on, John. No, no, go for it. Yeah. I was just thinking, actually, it's, it's about skills as well. So, you know, the, it may not be, you know, fully trained coaches or coaching psychologists, but actually bringing coaching skills into workplace and the mindset of a coach, I think, is really important. And, and there's been a lot of the webinars I've been looking at over the last couple of weeks around coaching cultures and bringing coaching cultures and so forth mm-hmm. and so on. Um, and, and that's a bit of a misnomer for me, having lived through that as a, uh, in an organisation that shifted its cultural bandwidth. Um, you know, I think for me, coaching is one of the ways in which you create learning. And, and I think it's, you know, developing those learning cultures that's so important for individuals and businesses as we go forward. Was it people, the, I've heard the term pivot uh, twice in the last couple of days. Mm. Uh, for creating change, where's all this come from? Yeah, pivoting. Mm. We have to pivot, and, mm. and my kids were going on about friends. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> was it when Ross was tra- and uh, Chandler were trying to bring something down the stairs? Wasn't it? it was pivot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think yeah, that, that's what exactly what I was going to say. You know, I think coaches are kind of like best placed, if you like, to adapt. Because this, the, if you have one variable that keeps changing all the time, you need something that keeps going with it that can also change with it at the same time. But at the same time, you need someone who's able to 
kind of like can aid that process if you like so if yeah. you have one cog going off you need the other cog going off and the person who understands how it's all going to work and who can who can also adapt in that environment is a coach because they've been trained you see so it's a bit like you know health psychology we're trained in a very specific thing uh, counseling are specific in in one thing sport and so i think we're coaching it, it, this is where it can really really help because i think people are going to get stuck psychologically right um mm. they won't know what to do it's like what sue was saying about careers uh, yeah. when there's events like funerals you need people who can't who could who are not stuck basically and coaches mm. have the um, that, that sort of skill set that you say Andy around, mm. and you know to tap into that. I think um, that's where kind of the big role would be. For, um, I would think where coaching or coaching psychologists play a part, uh, whether it's designing, um, you know, new dimensions, whether it's developing current initiatives, and also um, I think innovation. They need to be part of the innovation process. Like, well, you know. Because it's, it's a bit like the PhD that I did. They designed all these things, which is around building infrastructure, but they, for, they kind of like forgot how to, how do you get people to engage with the infrastructure? Yeah. Well, you need mm. to understand how people work first. You know, you can't just mm. put something in nice and it looks all great. You need to know, you need to go to the people who understand people then. <laughs> yeah. And I think coaching psychologists would be, especially going through this experience of like the lockdown, there's so many changes. Mm. Um, of 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 you know, um, and it's going to happen, and you need someone who maybe who's got lived experience as well, yeah, who's been through it. Because you guys are presume, like you said before, you're working, isn't it, in the field? You're working with clients, so you 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 already have that information or that exposure. Mm. Um, I think the um, uh, the coach has a role in working with. Um, business and organizational leaders who are presented with a lot of the challenges we're talking about, the challenge to innovate, the should reshape the organization, blah, de blah, might be a particular kind of process within the organization's activities. Um, and uh, I'm imagining that this isn't all about helping that individual adapt. It might sometimes be the thinking partner with that individual who's yeah. trying to grapple with the human dynamics and how people engage with innovation and change in, in regard to their organization or their process that yeah. they're seeking to innovate. It comes back to that system level thing again, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. it's, you know, knowing where, what's going on around us. Mm -hmm. And and it, there's interesting. Um, somebody sent me like, um, last week this um, coaching for climate change group that's just oh you sent a link round didn't you yeah 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 and, uh, and I thought that's really interesting isn't it because actually the, there's some bigger you know macro if that's the right word you know events that are going on in our world at the moment and where does coaching fit within this as well so it's not mm -hmm. you know it's the climate change emergency it's the pandemic emergency. Mm. Um, I think it's just creating awareness of, of of the system of appreciation of what's going on, isn't it? I think in many ways. Yeah, I think you know the coach. Sorry, I had to go for it. Well, I'm just going to finish off a thought because I think there's also something there then around being really clear about what coaching is and what coaching isn't. Because mm -hmm. um, you know you you scan through all the stuff on LinkedIn. There's so much information out mm -hmm. there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, mm. You know, so much information. And I came across one uh, article that a colleague had, had posted and it was talking about coaching people too. Mm. You know, so, so it's about how, how to get people to do this. And, mm. and 
you, you know, uh, yeah, that I, get it. But that's not kind of my practice as a coach. It, it's 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 about you know people making their own choices rather than mm. and they can be, choose to be adherent, but mm-hmm. it's not getting them to do stuff. It's it's where the choice is on that, and, and I mm. think that's going to be a really interesting mm. um, conversation as as we move forward because there's, there's there's going to be um, um, all, all sorts of things around us as we move into this new reality that people think we should or would or could do, but what yeah. do people really want to do? That's that's going to be a really interesting sort of um evolution i think as we, as we develop all these new practices and new realities around work personal life health and so forth and so on with um with yeah with with 10 minutes to go i'm going to give you one last question <laughs> um, no it's been fascinating your responses and i think you know again it provides a lot of insight and also a lot of direction um for the topic but this question is basically around um what's your kind of i want to say your plan but what are your thoughts about the next few months before the end of the year so we're sitting in in the middle of july now um what's your what's on what's on your mind at the moment about um coming out of lockdown and what do you expect or what do you what you're hoping to things will change by by between now until end of the year end of the year cool Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> I mean, you can say not much, you know, everything's going to be the same. <laughs> Ask me again in six months. That's a, that's a fair answer. Because <laughs> it'd be good to play this back in, in a year's time. Think, oh, what was it like? What was my thoughts? What was my current thoughts? I'm wondering. Have that now, thing on the, the, uh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say they have that thing on the coronavirus cast, don't they? Where, you know, send, send a voicemail to yourself in February. Oh, yeah. What would you say to your younger self or your future self? Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, the, the first thought I had was something about catching an aeroplane and wondering um, yeah. uh, how soon that will be and how comfortable I'll be and uh, what we'll all find when we start flying again. So it's not just me, but it's how socially uh, ordinary that will be um, in the, by the end of the year. Um, yeah. There's a client I've worked with for many years in Vienna, and I've been like a team coach to this uh, executive team in Vienna. Um, and I'm certainly meant to be going there in November, but I haven't had any contact with them at all during this, uh, this uh, lockdown period. Um, and I've got this date in the diary to go out there. But um, I'm wondering if they'll ask me and whether what I'll say when they ask me. <laughs> um, and... Uh, so it sort of feels like some uh, certain level of um, stay at home has normalized itself during the last uh, 12, 13 weeks. And um, that's already beginning to change that we, we have been out sort of on um, socially on sort of walks and further afield from home. We've um, been sitting in the garden with friends, but work-wise, I'm not sure I still don't know. It feels very uncertain about the extent to which work will require that you show up in person to be able to work with a team in the way that I used to, or whether we'll be on to a new way of working involving Microsoft Teams and different rooms. And, you know, we'd be moderating groups of people from the, you know, from our living rooms or, you know, our offices at home. I really find that very difficult to call. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
I know I don't want to get on a plane just yet. Mm. I do, um, and um, I don't particularly want to go to the theatre yet. Mm. But there's certain things I know I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, interesting. It's going to be an interesting way forward. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that's one of the. Um, it, it, we often know what we don't want, mm. um, and sometimes it's really hard to figure out what we do want because mm. we're we're trying to move out of what we don't want. Um, and I, I think for me, it's so difficult to second guess what what's going to happen in the. You know, when do you say George? By the end of the year, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I have some assumptions. Um, so, so I think by the end of the year, we'll still be working virtually pretty much, uh, um, you know, 70, 80% of the time. Um, and and I, I think that might be driven from what's going on in different, uh, you know, the, the, the virus is moving around the world, isn't it? It is. Mm -hmm. You know, so some of us are coming out of lockdown, some of us are going into lockdown, and there's going to be micro flare-ups and different places and things for the for the next few mm. months as as we you know get on top of it and, and hopefully we get a vaccine and, and all the rest of that good stuff mm. so i think my, you know my assumption is is that things will change um but we'll have to adapt even more mm. um and i think the the advice i give was the advice i give my future self no that's not right <laughs> 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 what i hope my future self would tell me today yes. <laughs> is um stay curious yeah mm. Be prepared. Be prepared. Mm. I mean, stay alert, I suppose. Alert. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that Melbourne went back to lockdown as they're yeah. going into the winter. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've obviously got to be alert, haven't we, that going into the winter is going to be a little bit more dangerous, perhaps than where we are at the moment. Yeah, and it could be that there's this kind of momentum uh, mm. that takes hold in terms of easing as people yeah. become very aware of the economic pressures and the need to be socially, uh, social well-being and not simply health well-being. Um, and that momentum could develop just at the time we're entering winter. Yeah. And that would be... Um, I don't, they call it a perfect storm. I think it would be a dreadful storm. A dreadful storm, yeah. Mm. There's lots to play out, I think. Mm. Uh, and and uh, I think uh, I think holding that, I think it's helpful for me at least anyway. And, and just to say that, you know, to, to be curious and to notice and, yeah. and and keep trying, actually. Keep moving, keep, keep ad yeah. adapting. I think that's, mm. you know, hopefully um, the advice I'd, I'd give myself. Mm. I had that. A gift. <laughs> yes, I, I, I think preparation, uh, as you say, curious uh, and ready to move. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to add basically that, um, you know, um, sorry, Tony, do you want to say something? Yeah, it, it was just it was just on the back of that last bit to notice that um, there is at large a certain cynicism about the impossibility of following all the rules and, you know, the incompatibility of various rules and numbers of people and between the nations of the UK, different things going on. So there's confusion and there's a, a sort of cynicism that begins to set in about the leadership. Um, 
And I think as we move to the next phase of this, that cynicism might become a barrier to our curiosity, our adaptation, yeah. our willingness to innovate. It might be a sort of ground now down sort of sense of um, impossibility. And um, uh, uh, so, you know, I don't want to take away from the optimism of this, but I want to bring some realism to that, you know, as, as events collide, as they will at some point, it's very difficult for us and the yeah. people we're working with to keep that freshness of mind that we're describing here. Uh, and, and I think that's the learning for us all in this as well, isn't it? Is, you know, how, how to do that in, in a way that's suitable for me and for my clients and for us and for everybody else in the community. Mm. Um, and there'll be lots of barriers to it. I mean, there's going to be a lot, of, uh, there has been a lot of loss and a lot of pain, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, and the whole, feeling unsafe that goes along with all that is a huge barrier to staying curious. Mm. Mm. Um, but, but I think that's just the situation. And I guess that's the advice I would give myself is, is, is trying to stay curious, isn't it? It's trying. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah be, you know, be, be a psychologist. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a good, I mean, it's, it's, it's all I'm saying. I think what I'm trying to catch, I suppose it's, it's unpredictable. Um, so when people look back and say, right, we can't even predict what's going to happen in the next four months, if that's how it really is in that sense, yeah. we can't even paint a picture. So we are mm. literally taking it one day at a time or yeah. an event at a time. We're, we're, look, we're looking at a micro level, we're looking at a macro level. Um, anything, can, anything goes. Yeah. What's mm. happening in another part of the world can happen right here. And um, I think... Um, you know, on this point, um, I'm going to leave it there with our podcast because it'd be interesting to come back and say, okay, well, what happened in the last four or five months? You know, mm -hmm. we might do one in between if, if there's a second spike, hopefully there's, there's not. But when we come back, it would be good to see exactly what our thoughts were on this. What did happen in at the end of the year? Mm. Yeah, good. So stay Thanks. tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay alert. Stay alert. <laughs> Be curious. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Okay, cheers. Bye. 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 Bye.